0: Hey everyone and welcome to the Louisville Podcast. Here we are once again jumping into our series called Message Notes, where Gord and myself take a deeper look at the recent teaching from this past Sunday. Well, friends, this is a really fun conversation. Gord and myself jump everywhere from talking about Jonah to Super Dave Osborne, and uh, it's just really, really a blast. I'm really excited for you to hear it. We land on this idea, though, where when we focus on the big questions of God, It starts to answer the little questions that we may have that really impact our individual lives. I'm pumped that you're here with us, and I can't wait for you to listen in on this conversation. Let's dive in. Well, welcome, everyone. And here we are with Gord and I for Message Notes. Yeah. Hi, Adams. How are you? I'm doing good. And you're well? Yeah. No, this is exciting. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this conversation cause I think we're going to go
1: down some fun paths. I, I'm looking forward to it too. Cause there are some things here that are closer to my heart mm. than, than other things we've talked about. Oh yeah, for sure. Not,
0: not to say that the other, things all, all about good, <laughs> all good,
1: but these, these hit me particularly
0: closely. Mm. Now, as always, we, we like to have fun uh, at the very beginning <laughs> and sort of have a good laugh. And I can't help but uh, from from your teaching. We're actually going to do a, a little bit of a summary of your teaching in a in a yep, in, a, in bit. a minute
1: or two, sure.
0: But we're just going to kind of have a quick laugh. So for those of you who tuned in, you heard at the very beginning, uh, Gord did one of his uh, his reveals, as we as we call
1: it. <laughs> yeah. We're
0: like, who's he talking about in this moment? And then we find out that uh, the person you were talking about was. Evil evil that's the one now for me being a child of the uh, the, the mid to late 90s um, I was a super Dave guy
1: so oh, and see super Dave made a living making fun of evil can oh, yeah, of evil can yeah <laughs>
0: Because for those of you, you know, like there'd be a whole crew who probably doesn't even know Super Dave, but Super Dave, like it was the same premise. He was he would jump,
1: and he had the the jumpsuits, oh, yeah. the
0: over the top jumpsuits. Yeah, and so the whole thing, he'd be set up for this big moment, and then uh, he, it would he would have a horrible crash
1: every and, single and time, and always with a dummy, with a dummy,
0: yeah. <laughs> I can't really remember. It was Su- did Super Dave have his own show or was it like No,
1: he was part of another show and if a listener can can remember yeah. he for a while he was Super Dave Osborne and the Super Dave show, but he started on another show and I can't remember the I name of the I can't remember
0: either, but I remember it being like a, it was connected to a different show and they would kind of uh, hand off to the Super Dave section. Yeah, it of the was like
1: it was the Super
0: Dave moment or whatever. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. Or if you listening know, drop us a
1: line. Drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you.
0: So you, now, were you... What was the time frame of Evil Knievel, though? Like?
1: um, 70s. 70s, yeah. Yeah. He
0: didn't try to jump over the Grand Canyon, did he? He did.
1: the Well, the Snake River Canyon. Right. And I think there was talk of the Grand Canyon, but I don't think he did it. Right, yeah. So, anyway, Snake River Canyon, and uh, it was with a specially put-together rocket bike, Mm. and he made the jump, and he cleared the gorge, and then when the parachute came out to stop his descent so he wouldn't crash earth on this rocket bike, the wind caught the parachute and blew him back into the gorge. Oh, no. And... The detail is the safety restraints on the rocket bike had jammed. Oh. And he couldn't get out of them. And if he'd gone into the river, he would have sunk to the bottom and drowned because he couldn't get the safety harnesses off. Oh, my goodness. And (laughs) so he didn't. He narrowly missed the river, but he was down in the gorge. And when they got to him, they had to get him out of the restraints because he was stuck. He was stuck. Wow. Yeah. And it's, Super it, Dave, I remember Super Dave with those corny dummies that used to get bent in half. Oh, yeah. But it it, it it was funny because Evil Knievel crashed so much.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, Super Dave's whole shtick was that he was m- kind of making fun of. Making
1: fun of Evil Knievel's of Evil many Knievel. crashes. Yeah.
0: It's so funny even to talk about it because it's like. It seems like such an archaic thing. Like I don't know if there's people now who are like, I'm gonna jump a motorbike over I
1: I'm sure they go Maybe. on and with monster truck events and oh, so yeah, on, there's always true. and the the um the uh extreme the X games. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Motocro- motocross guys. They do all kinds of extreme things, mm. but <clears throat> There was a time when jumping stuff was the deal. <laughs> that was our
0: main entertainment. Uh, well. Yeah. Well, yeah, I enjoyed that piece. It gave me a good chuckle when I was listening and and obviously made me think of Super Dave. Um, but, yeah, so, so, Gord, I was almost wondering if you would be um, game to kind of do a quick summary of your teaching from this last Sunday just for – because we know that some listeners um, – would have heard the sermon and some may be just tuning in now and they haven't heard it you can go back and listen to it but it'd be great
1: yeah the premise is and i started with george eldon ladd mm-hmm. who was a theologian that i was reading many years ago and this one line god reveals himself understandably to man through history mm-hmm. we would not understand anything about god except for his self-revelation so right. he shows us what he wants us to see so then when certain things happen, like the story of Jonah and the story of the Valley of the Dry Bones, what is it he wants us to see? Mm. Now, you know, in the story of Jonah, we many of us know the story of Jonah and the great fish. And, but built into that story is a bunch of things where they say, God appointed this and God appointed that and God mm. appointed. So God is crafting a story with Jonah Jonah takes off to Tarshish on a boat from Joppa, and there's a storm. Storm's not an accident. No. They cast lots because they assume that someone has brought the evil to the ship. Right. The lot falls to Jonah. Not an accident. Jonah fesses up. Not an accident. They throw him overboard, and a great fish swallows Jonah. Mm-hmm. Not an accident. Mm-hmm. He survives three days and nights in the belly of this thing, not an accident. And then it, it says God appoints the animal to spit him back up on land. So he does. After Jonah has prayed in the belly of the great fish. Right, yeah. So then he decides he's going to do what God wants him to do, and he goes. Mm. <clears throat> he preaches a very, very... Short message. Yeah.
0: There's nothing really inspiring about nothing it. Nothing
1: inspiring. If it, <laughs> it, you know, it's almost
0: like he's like, "Fine, I'll preach the
1: message," <laughs> and he gives them seven words. Oh yeah. And as a result, there is repentance. Oh yeah, across the board in Nineveh, not an accident. Yeah,
0: And Nineveh, um, in the context of the of the story, like they're not the friends of Israel at the time oh, right
1: they're enemies in fact you know there was a day of of captivity and so mm-hmm. on no definitely not and God is showing mercy to Israel's enemies mm-hmm. which is almost by the way a little bit of a nod a wink where God says yeah and uh, Jesus is one go- day going to tell you to love your enemies yeah Oh, snap, way to go. Because God winds up, Jonah winds up angry because they felt the goodness of God. Right. And then God is angry with Jonah because Jonah doesn't get God. Because Mm. what he wants Jonah to see, what he wants us to see, is that he is a merciful God, even to the enemies of his people. Yeah. Yeah and goes to great lengths. The whole Jonah story. Oh yeah. So, it's the story of Jonah, but it's not about Jonah. Mm. It's the story of Nineveh, but it's not about Nineveh. It's about the mercy of God.
2: Mm.
1: And same thing, Valley of Dry Bones, Ezekiel 37. God does this amazing thing in the Valley of the Dry Bones. And he, it picture picture Braveheart right. In a post battle scene, hmm. but it's just bones. Right, it's not bodies. It's not soldiers. It's just bones. God puts the bones together, muscle, sinew, flesh, skin, breathes into them, and the dry bones now are a living army. Hmm. And God says, and I'm going to do that so that you will know. Because you could ask the question, well, why did he do that? It seems mm. random. He says, so you will know that I am the Lord. Right. So it wasn't about the dry bones. wasn't about a new army. The story was about the greatness of God. Mm. So then we move to Ephesians 2. Right where it talks about us being dead in our trespasses and sins. And right there, you know, I've had people um, over the years, and these are illustrations that some of our people have uh, have heard before. Mm. We are not people who are drowning without Jesus. And we need a life preserver. Mm. It's not the picture here. Right, You are dead in your trespasses and sins. We have already drowned. We have sunk to the bottom. We're laying on the sandy bottom, dead. And God touches us and makes us alive. Because hmm. God didn't come. Christ didn't come to make bad men good right. or good men better. Mm-hmm. He came to make Dead people alive. Alive, yeah. And uh, so that's why I read uh, from Ann Voskamp and her book, A Thousand Gifts. Yeah, and that, that, that um,
0: picture there, the quote where, where um, Ann was saying, like, reliving, we're all reliving the garden story, right?
1: Yes. Because it's, in the garden, we could see perfectly. Mm. Could see the goodness of God, could see the glory of God, could see the fellowship of God. Could see the friendship of God and then in an and and yet Satan holds out, oh, but when you eat, then you're really gonna see. Mm. Only what we see is is we two things happen. We go blind where God is and his goodness is concerned. Yeah, picture it, you have people in the world that simply don't believe. That God is good. We've got, you know that commercial on TV, we've gone nose blind? Oh, yeah. You know, where you're in a smell for so long that you don't see it as smell anymore. (laughs) Someone who comes into the room goes, what is that smell? And you're like, what? What? What smell? What smell? It's my normal. (laughs) It's my normal. We've done the same thing where God is concerned. For sure. Yeah. And we've said, um, we've gone God blind. hmm We don't see his goodness. We don't see his mercy or grace.
0: Yeah. That's fascinating, too, because I feel like, yeah, there's definitely the lens of going God blind. I find there's also another lens that I'm finding people will wear where it's like almost a two rosy colored glasses of like, well, the world's perfect and we don't need a
1: merciful God. And I often wonder, like, what are you looking at? (laughs) Because we've... We've not only gone blind to who God is. And by the way, if we could get a picture of God, we would see a lot of other things differently. Right. Because what Satan, what Lucifer opened our eyes to with the fruit, well, we opened our eyes, we ate the fruit, mm-hmm. was all of the corruption and... uh scarcity and injustice and loss Mm. we see that now oh yeah when we wouldn't have seen it before exactly yeah so that's why we need this picture of god that's why god needs to continue to paint this big picture of himself because one he's a merciful god and number two as in the case of Jonah, mm. he will go to great lengths to demonstrate that right? He is the life-giving God as No other can be mm. That's why he tells the, That's why he demonstrates the story of the dry bones, right? And then he tells you and I Dead in trespasses and sins hm <laughs> but I can make you alive in Christ. Right. I can seat you with him in the heavenly places. Mm. So God, um, you know, is a God of the impossible, Mm. and he does the impossible to bring you and I near to him.
0: Yeah, you had this line, uh, the sovereign, purposeful God does the unthinkable, miraculous things in order to paint a big picture of himself. And then that begs the question of why does God need to keep painting this picture of himself? Yeah. And so would you say the answer to that question is because we've gone blind? Because, yes.
1: Because, yeah. and, and the Bible calls that spiritual deadness. Right, okay. Not, now some will say, yeah, well, I, you know, I understand we're impaired. No, we're not impaired. Unless you consider dead impaired, hmm. oh the the Bible says we're dead spiritually dead dead in trespasses and sins. Yeah, and so we are rendered incapable. Now there's a there's a, a theological term. Um, Calvin was fond of it. Okay, the noetic effect of sin. Hmm. So that'd be a reference to Noah. No, N-O-E-T-I-C, noetic. Oh, okay. In in terms of what we can take in. Oh, okay. And uh, the noetic effect of sin renders us incapable of clear thoughts about God. Fascinating. Picture Picture it as an impairment of vision physically that leaves everything you see blurry right hm. and then you have surgery and then it's like wow right have you ever seen those uh, those videos of uh these glasses that can restore oh color blindness color blindness yeah i have to be careful when i watch this because i start crying <laughs> Well, that, that's the thing, right? Because yeah. this, this grown man, he's almost my age, which is old. And he's only ever seen in shades of black and white and gray. Right. And he puts these glasses on and he can see color and he just breaks down oh, crying. Yeah.
0: He's looking to the to the sky and seeing the blue sky for the first time. Blue sky
1: time. for the first time. The, the brilliant green grass. Mm. A red t-shirt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, seeing it all for the first time. And, um, you know, the Bible uses some phrases. It says, God removed the scales from the eyes. Mm. It It's like a blindness.
0: So, okay, I've got a question. And okay. this might go back. So it may be a, a theological oddity, but I'm, I'm yeah. curious your thoughts on it. So we're talking about... Um, this spiritual deadness. Yep. So do we see, does the Bible kind of talk sometimes about the aspect of physical death and spiritual death being connected? Are they two separate things? Because like physically we're alive, but spiritually without Christ, we could be dead. Yes. And our spiritual deadness as a, as an illustration is affecting us physically in the sense of our, our vision, right? Right. So, yeah, I'm just curious. Like, do you do you see those contrasts, though? Like the idea I, of...
1: I don't see them as contrasting. I, I see them as illustrative. Okay, yeah. To help us understand where we are spiritually. And by the way, that is the thing. Because mm. what makes you you is not... Uh, six foot two, Hmm. with red hair, and a beard. (laughs) That's not what makes you, you. Right. If someone says, what's Adams like? I will not start into, well, you know, he's six foot two, he's got red hair, he's got... Right. No, because that's what he looks like. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's he like? Uh likes to laugh. He's a good thinker, mm. a reader. I start into the things that make you, you. Because mm. it's the inside of us, the invisible part, the part we can't see, that is really us. Yeah. When someone dies, we say, they are not there anymore. Mm. And it's true. Because the part that made them, them, is gone. Yeah. The body's still there. Yeah, there's a um,
0: Old Testament scholar that I appreciate. He's based out of I think he teaches at Wheaton, um, John H. Walton, and he uses the example of a home versus a house, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, the God of Abraham, Jacob, and you know, the, he'll he'll go into the whole thing is more interested in the home story. Rather than the, the house, house story. story. And I've always loved that illustration because, you know, when someone, you know, if someone were to come into my home and they're like, tell me, tell me about your home, I'm not going to start saying, well, you know, like, uh, we used it's a white double- and
1: we have these brown shutters. And yeah. We ha- you know, it's like, no, like, the
0: our God is more interested in the story of like, of of the beautiful things that are happening within that home, what makes it a home? The yep. memories that are part of that home, that, and I've always and that's a neat a neat illustration of
1: the heart of our Father, right? And and uh, <clears throat> and when uh, the Father, by His Holy Spirit, enables us to see. Hmm. My father will tell the story about, um, you know, we, start, we, we went to a vacation Bible school and then the pastor from the church where they were having the vacation Bible school started visiting our home and he would talk to dad about being a sinner and dad would say, no, I'm not a sinner. <laughs> I, I know what a sinner is. I work hard. I take care of my family. I'm honest. Yeah. All of that. Because his idea of what a sinner was, was someone who did all the awful stuff. Sure, yeah. Um, And he'll say in his testimony, until the day God opened my eyes. Hmm. And I could see for the first time that I indeed was a sinner. Well, you see, he was in a place of spiritual blindness. Hmm. He couldn't see the good or the bad right. in himself or anybody else, and certainly he couldn't see God. God opened his eyes, and then I said, and then what? He said, I couldn't get to Jesus fast enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I think what's so fascinating, even about that story, and even the stories that we reference in
1: your message, Gordon, is that that is a God moment, right? Oh, Absolutely. It's only God. Abs- who absolutely, can... we can't. We can't just decide one day to show up at the gate of heaven and say, "Yeah, I'm ready now. Hmm. Uh, I'm ready to listen." Because left on our own, we won't ever be ready to listen. Right.
0: Yeah. Which, which, so that kind of brings me back. We were chatting before Gord about this idea of the. Um, the, the of the story points that we looked at in your message and mm-hmm. it's these moments where God is revealing himself and it's it's, yep. it's about what God is is doing in this moment to reveal himself to paint this picture um and you kind of had some interesting thoughts though about that you know this the idea of of sometimes it's not always about us
1: yeah in fact most of the time it's not about us <laughs> yeah but if if you listen to modern modern preachers or bible study teachers and the the books that are being written they're all about how how it relates to us Hmm. and sometimes i feel like it's a misdirection right and it's a misdirection because the story of the old testament is always about jesus Mm -hmm. It's pointing forward. We could go through dozens and dozens and dozens of signposts in the Old Testament that point nowhere but Jesus. Mm. And God, in the story of Jonah, it's not about Jonah. It's not about Nineveh. It's about him being merciful.
2: Mm.
1: That's what we take away from that story. Yeah. Well, I sometimes feel like Jonah, and I some. Well, you may, but the story's not about you mm. any more than it was about Jonah.
0: Yeah, like even the story of Jonah. Which, if you haven't, for our listeners, if you haven't read the story of Jonah, it's not a long read. Four chapters. It's Only four chapters. Um, it's a. It's it's a good read. It ends in the middle of a sentence at the very end, so it can be a little intriguing <laughs> abrupt, that intriguing way and abrupt. But really, and it's and it's not to. I want to be careful too. Like we're not saying that there's not room for practicalities in in the Christian walk. That's not, absolutely we're not saying that at all. However, the the Jonah story is a prime example that when you read that story, you're not going to come out with like your top five next steps to do right?
1: never. <laughs> you, well you could come out with one. If God tells you to do something um, <laughs> lace up your boots and get going now please. <laughs> yeah because <laughs> because um, he will have his way. yeah.
0: And also um, yeah I wanted to uh, chime in when you mentioned this too because <clears throat> so Jonah was he was on his way to Tarshish. Now, was Tarshish where he was supposed to be going or no? No. He was supposed to be going to...
1: Was it... To 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 Nineveh. Yeah, To Nineveh. He had jumped the boat in Joppa. In Joppa, yeah, that's what it was. And he was supposed to be going to Nineveh, but instead was headed to Tarshish. Yeah, so if you look on a map and you look at where Tarshish is, (laughs) and you look
0: at where Nineveh is, it is wildly in the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah,
1: like he's... he's, There's no, uh, well... You know, I thought we were going to get close to Nineveh, so I took that. No. 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 This is a, a this decision is a, to run. A decision to run, and yet
0: the merciful God pulls him out of that and puts him to where he... Like, no, this is this is where you're going.
1: Yeah. And so the great fish and the storm and the lot and all of that is just about God restoring Jonah on the path he needed to go on. Mm. Uh, I was in seminary. Okay, let me start with a principle. Okay. We need to see the theology. We need to see the person and the attributes of God in the text of Scripture. Yes, yeah. Because God is not stringing together a bunch of stories about me. Right. And so it ought to be about me. It always ought to be about me, and what do I feel, and what do I think, and what do I do, and what do I... Not to say it's not practical, it is practical, but it's primarily not about us. Mm -hmm. And we have to see what's being said about God in this. Mm -hmm. I was in seminary, and... um, this is only a few years ago, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> when I think that I graduated in 1982, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> hey, it's not
0: that long ago. My
1: goodness. Anyway, sorry. So when you were in seminary... I was coming home for the summer here to New Brunswick, and there was a man... Uh, well... He had been principal of the Bible Institute I went to here, his name was Stuart Murray. Okay. He, w- he was a great evangelistic preacher. Okay. And he was a very good theologian. Mm. And <clears throat> I thought, you know what, uh, I should talk to him. And the reason I wanted to talk with him was that word was out that he was very ill with cancer. Okay. And so I was going to be home for the summer, and I thought, if I could sit down with Dr. Murray before I go back to seminary, because if I go back and haven't talked to him, I may not ever have the chance. Mm. So it was a warm June afternoon, and no air conditioning in his office. The windows open, and uh, I sat down with him. And uh, he asked me how seminary was going, some small talk, that kind of thing. And he says, so, what brings you in today, Gordon? And I said, uh, we always called him the chief. Oh, okay. Chief, you and I have disagreed many times. Now, I'll just tell you, when I got to Atlantic Baptist College, I was long-haired and foul-mouthed and <laughs> ill-mannered and un- <laughs> uncouth and all of that. Sure, yeah. So I, there were times we butted heads, no doubt about it. I said, You and I have disagreed many times. And he had this chortling laugh, this whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and I said, So um, today I'm here to listen, though. Would you please tell me what I need to know about being a pastor? And he said, well, you know, Gordon, I was never much of a pastor. He says, here's what I know. Every great church in the history of the world, starting with the New Testament, has been built on the preaching of sound doctrine. Hmm. So he said, preach sound doctrine. Illustrate it well. Spend as much time... Illustrating as you do exegeting the text. Mm. But he said, preach sound doctrine. It started me on a journey, Adams, and I don't always get it right, and I don't always do it as I should. But I look for the doctrine, the sound doctrine, in the text. Mm. In the text of Jonah, I see a purposeful, sovereign God mm-hmm. who is going to be merciful to a pagan nation. Yeah. And the story of Jonah is how he does it. Mm. Hm. And in Ezekiel 37, the story is of the sovereign, purposeful God who is going to bring death out of life so that his people will know that he is the Lord. Mm. And he does it. I find that if you deal with enough big questions from the text, that the little questions take care of themselves. Mm. So, big question. Is God able to turn the heart of a pagan nation back to himself? Absolutely he is. Mm. So then the little question. Can he change my heart? <laughs> Absolutely he can. Yeah. Because the big question has already shown you the answer to the little question that's fascinating. I like that. So I've spent 40 years plus now looking for the doctrine in the text. Mm. Uh, One guy at Muskoka Baptist Conference years ago called me the great storyteller (laughs) (laughs) because I illustrated so much. Mm. And I explained to him that I got challenged very early on. I wasn't even at a seminary. Yeah. So for me, when I hear someone preach a text and it's all about us, Mm. it feels like a little bit of a misdirection. Right. Because the God who gave us the text wanted us to see him in the text. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And when all we see is ourselves, then that's a misdirection. Yeah.
0: And it's, and I think, and I know you would agree with this. It's not to say that we can't see ourselves, but I think it's understanding that that, in the way you just phrased it, those are the little questions.
1: Those are the little questions. And, and not to be little, that's not what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. But I'm saying in the big scheme of things, I want to be absolutely certain about the big questions Mm. Because they will then settle my little questions. Yeah,
0: I've heard it phrased once before, like uh, focus on the upper story, and then we'll have a better understanding of our, I guess you could call, it personal story type thing. So the upper story being the big questions. Yeah,
1: Chandler. Chandler kind of pictures it that way oh, in, is in, it his, book, in that? his book, in his book, the Explicit Gospel. He says. He, he talks about the gospel in the air mm. and the gospel on the ground. Right. But the problem is if, if we spend all of our time talking about the gospel of the gro- on the ground because it applies to us, we will never see about God the gospel in the air that we need to see that will reassure us about the truth of this thing Right. and how God, uh, the efficacy of it, mm. to use a term. Right. That yes, this will work Mm. because here's the God who's behind it. Here's the God who's driving it. Here's the God who has purposed it Mm. and will see it to completion. And I'm on the verge of preaching now. (laughs) And so (laughs) take a breath, breath, Gord. Breathe. Breathe. (laughs) Now,
0: for, for our listeners who maybe even the word itself of doctrine may come as a scary or um, I don't even know how to phrase it. it, it okay. might...
1: Well, certainly often people see doctrine as dry mm. and boring. Yeah.
0: Really what it sounds like you're suggesting is see doctrine as foundation.
1: and Not only foundation, but but structure, mm. even, even curbs. Okay, yeah. You know, some of us, we're like little children. <laughs> and if you take little children, bowling. Oh, yeah, yeah. They will spend much of their time rolling the ball down the gutter. Not because that's what they want to do, mm. but that's all they're capable of. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you have these inflatable bumpers and you put those in the gutters and then the kids can bowl and when the ball hits the bumper, it will come back into play Mm. and then they can be about what they're supposed to be about. Doctrine. What is true? Thinking right about God which enables you to think right about the world think right about yourself think right about everything thinking right about god gives us bumpers mm. yeah i love that otherwise what we're gonna what we wind up doing is rolling balls in the gutter and wondering why what god says in his word is not working out right well then, you see, the older we get and the more we take in about God, the more we understand about who God is, the less we need the bumpers. Hmm. Yeah.
0: It's neat. It's it's almost like they become mental bumpers for to say that, hey, in this life that we live, there are going to be moments where physically we we end up in the gutter, right? Yeah. Where life goes... Uh, not the way we planned it. However, if we have those bumpers in how we view God, we can kind of get back on track.
1: Well, that's where the hope is. Mm-hmm. And that's where life is. And that's where the joy is. Yeah. And that's because we still live in that world that Ann Voskamp was talking about. Right, that, yeah. That, that difficult, harsh world. Mm-hmm. And in that environment, thinking right about God will enable us to have hope. Mm -hmm. But the other side, let me just revisit this one more time. For sure. If everything is about us, Mm -hmm. we cannot Glue the bones back together, stitch flesh and muscle and skin Hmm. and do resuscitation until there's air back in the, like, that is so unthinkable. So God says, look, that's what I do. You don't have to do it, because that's what I do. And understanding that about God, that he's the God of the impossible, and he will do it, mm-hmm. provides me immense hope. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. So that's why yeah, I've been driven to the doctrine. hmm in, over, case <laughs> in case
0: anyone was wondering.
1: In case anyone was wondering. But, you know, people will say, well, you know, your stuff has doctrine in it, and, you know, I, I like something more practical. Right. Well, there's practical, absolutely. hmm But you have to be ready to see God for who he is. Mm-hmm. And I have seen that as my as part of my ministry Mm. for a long time now. And there'll be people who who'll now there there are people who will say, I didn't see that in the text. Right. Well, I didn't either when I started, and then and God points stuff out to you. Mm -hmm. That's why I do it the way I do it Mm. for right or wrong. That's been my my assignment. Oh. Given to me on a warm June afternoon, <laughs> on a stu- in a stuffy office. A stuffy office.
0: And that was. Did you say that was coming out of your first year at seminary? Or? I'm not
1: sure if it was between year one and two or two and three. Mm. But uh, no, that's that's yeah. It's it good. It was back there. And, uh,
0: I love that though. The, the idea of when we focus on the big questions, the little questions get answered.
1: Yeah. The answers then are are much clearer and easier to see mm. if the big questions have already been answered. Yeah. Yeah.
0: no, that's great. You had uh, a moment in your sermon, Gord, where I I loved this and I wrote it down and it, it was really like you were summarizing your sermon right in the moment, but you said the simple message is this, God will be known for his purposes, will be known for his mercy, will be known for what he is prepared to do, will be known for the completeness for what he does. He will not be known for his failures. He will not be known for abandoning us. He will not be known for big talk and small action he will be known for the doer of the impossible
1: and and see <clears throat> that's just not out of those two texts mm. go through the old testament go through the new testament i'm a testament i adams am a testament that god will be merciful mm. And he will do the impossible. He's been doing it in me for 40 years. Not only my salvation, but even the fact that he uses me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's like there's also that quote at the very end. Now, I wrote it down as a quote. I don't know if it was you or if it was the song reference that you were referencing, but it says, the God of the impossible who because of his great mercy goes to extraordinary lengths to bring us close. Yeah. Was that you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I put it in quotes and I'll just put your name by it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's it, right? Yeah. And so if I take that as the big, my big picture of God, out of that one message. Let's just say that I would say yes to all of that. Hmm. Then my question, any questions regarding my life, the God of the impossible who loves mercy, who has gone to such extreme lengths to bring me close. You know, in Romans, Paul says that this God, how will he not give us all things? Mm. it's in the end it's it's one of those um, rhetorical questions at the end of Romans 8 there are five rhetorical questions and that's one of them how will this God not give us all things yeah immensely hopeful oh yeah in my mind yeah and um, easy to hold out to anyone who would hear hmm
0: Closing thoughts? Maybe a question, maybe... Uh,
1: I I guess not, Adams. I um, Thank you for today. Thank you for the freedom to talk about <clears throat> the big picture and the little pictures. Hmm. That's why God spends most of his time over and 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 over Painting big pictures of himself. Because if that becomes our norm, if we would say, yes, I have a big picture of God. Mm. So then let me just say, people like Ann Voskamp, her little sister was white, blonde-haired, and three years old. Mm was chasing a cat and ran into the path of a delivery truck coming up their farm driveway and he went over her and killed her. Hmm. And over the years Anne had to come to this place of reconciling the goodness of God over against that but once she got the picture of a big, big, all-sufficient God, there was grace enough to handle all the rest. Mm. You'll find that some of the most mature people you know, maturing Christ, are the people who have come to the place of a big picture of God. Mm-hmm.
0: That's the great. end, the end. Well, Gord, thanks so much for sharing today. That was
1: well. I thank you. Oh, it was yeah. a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and uh, we'll be in for a treat for next. Uh, yeah, for next, next week.
1: week's a little different.
0: It's going to be a little different. We'll uh, we'll kind of leave you hanging with. Yeah, what we'll that, leave you
1: hanging with what that looks we, like. We will have so. uh, a third partner on board. A third partner on board. So. And uh, looking forward to that. Yeah.
0: Well, until then,
1: we'll see you now. God bless you.